0: We've been growing our successful businesses online and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 119. John and I have been playing a little bit of tag team recently, but I am back. John is now getting married this week, so I gave him a break to take care of all that fun little last minute wedding planning. But I thought this would be a great chance to talk about an awesome opportunity I recently had. I spent a full day with Gary V and his team, but (laughs) Gary was only there for about 75 minutes. uh, So it wasn't a full day with Gary, but it was really insightful session. And I just wanted to share some of the things I took away from it. But before I do that, I do want to thank our sponsor for this show, Woodcraft. Woodcraft is one of the nation's oldest and largest suppliers of quality woodworking tools and supplies. They have stores in more than 70 cities around the U.S. and an awesome website. And Woodcraft is John and I's go-to woodworking tools and supply stores And for all of our listeners, new and old, be sure to use the code MFP, all caps, to get free shipping in the lower 48 states. Uh, This will work on all orders except for large machinery. Uh, And thank you to Woodcrafts for supporting the show this year and for supporting the made-for-profit tribe. All right. So, a little background story. I was out, uh, and the reason I was not on the podcast last week was I was out in Joshua Tree, and and we just decided that it was not going to work out. Uh, My flight Basically, we overlapped our recording time, and instead of redoing it, we just said John will take this one. I'll take this week. Well, coming into the end of that, I get an email. Uh, I was out there from I think uh, Tuesday, Wednesday to Tuesday. Coming out of that, I got an email from uh, the Gary V's team, and the Vander Media is is the his company. And I got an email that said, "Hey, I am part of their uh, part of one of their influencer networks. I guess or not network, but uh, I don't know. Just somehow I got a, a message and invited this thing several months back. It was probably actually eighteen months back. And so I'll get different things if if Gary's in the local area. And I think basically they just added me because I had a lot of followers on Instagram, and they're trying to you know use me to help promote some of their stuff. So anyway, I get this email and it invites me to an event on Thursday in Chattanooga. Well, this was Monday." And I was in California. Uh, I was flying back on Tuesday. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, what is what is this event all about? And as I started looking into it, uh, it was a, a really cool opportunity. It is called their Digital Discovery and Deep Dive. And this is something that's run by the Sasha Group, which, you know, Gary's got a ton of companies going on now. And I guess let me back it up for a second. If you're not familiar with Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, he has online, you know, business guru. He would probably hate that term. Uh, But basically, he's very, very good at seeing trends in the current uh, social media stage and just business. And he's all about growing your business online, growing your brand and in a very um, in a very countercultural way in the sense that he's all about, you know, pounding the pavement and eating dirt and and just really putting in time and effort uh, versus just expecting things. And he's about positivity. Uh, he loves to cuss. Uh, so <laughs> uh, be, be forewarned. If you go check out his content, uh, you will absolutely encounter an F-bomb within, you know, you you can't surf for more than probably five minutes on his page. Uh, not something I enjoy about his content, but he's very matter of fact about it. And it is all about being himself and you being yourself And kind of documenting uh, your life because people want to know about it and then turning that into a business. So just a short snippet on Gary Vee. He's got a few books out there. Jab, 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 right hook, uh, crush it. And then the follow on crushing it. uh, And all three of those books are great. So you can go check those out. But anyway, that that quick backstory on, on who he is and why he is important in the world of business and social media. Uh, and so anyway, I got this invitation and, uh, I jumped at it. So even though I was just getting home, I decided, you know what, uh, this is, this is an opportunity I don't want to pass up. I live in Nashville. It's in Chattanooga. It's a two hour drive. And so boom, I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. So then they actually had a dinner that Wednesday night. So I flew in Tuesday and like kissed the wife and the kids and like, all right, I got to go, uh, you know, wake up, do a bunch of email on Wednesday and then hopped in my, my truck and drove to Chattanooga. And, and by the way, the new truck, my 2011 Avalanche, uh, new to me. Uh, that's the beauty of being uh, debt-free. Uh, 2011 truck, it drove wonderfully. So had a had a nice trip down there, a quick two-hour trip, met with uh, the folks there for dinner, and just kind of got to know some of the people there and some of the, the participants. And then the real magic started happening the next day. So we go in, and, and basically what this is, so it sounds, you know, digital discovery and deep dive is that they went over a lot of things around platforms, and I'm going to share some of those things with you. Share some of what I heard, as well as some of the learnings I had. So, what are the current platforms in the digital landscape? They talked about a, a bit about content strategy, uh, you know, some brand development, some podcasting, uh, and then the cool part was we we had, uh, like I said, about 75 minutes with Gary. He came in and it was like a and A, and he went around. There was only uh, there was only about 12 participants in this class. So he went around, uh, kind of did a sweep of the room, getting to know who the people were, uh, just a quick overview of your business, and then swept back around for questions. And we got to ask about two to three questions of Gary, and um, and it, it was really cool to hear his answers as well as to hear his answers to other people's questions because there was a lot of lot of insight uh, that you can get just from hearing other people's struggles and what they're asking and and what Gary's answering. Uh, so then the then after that that was awesome. Uh, they talked a little bit about uh, some media buying, so running ads, because this is very oriented. This session is very oriented at small business. Um, there are content creators that go, but it is very oriented at small businesses. Uh, so there was a furniture shop there. You know, people who are, are like full, full scale uh, furniture dealer. And there was a um, what was it? A, a real estate planning and tourism business. And then there was another like, you know, sales tool like CRM management. And so that's kind of the idea, you know, just to get a little bit of a snippet of of who all was there, and then a few social media influencers, including myself, uh, and you know, we we just kind of walked through everything. So it it was it was really cool to hear people who are just in it because Vanner Media has got a whole huge team, like massive. I think they have over eight hundred people that are a part of Vanner Media, which has all these subsections of the Sasha Group and Vannerex and and all these things. So there are people, I believe what they said on Gary's team, he has 32 people that are on his content team. So when you see all that content, I mean, I'll get to this here in a minute, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but just because just it was so amazing to hear the structure. 32 people that manage all of Gary's content across all of his channels. And he is on all of the platforms. So if you follow him at all, he's on every single one. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Amazon, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, everything. Uh, he is he is there and he has a team to help support that. So, you know, a lot of they do a lot of research into it and, you know, they shared a bit of that with us. So, boom, get in there, meet the folks. Seems like a really cool crowd And uh, and the and the first guy comes in to talk about the platforms, and he's like, uh, you know, the vice president of of digital media, and you know, again, a very small small company here, so they're able to bring in you know a lot of the the leaders there. And uh, they started talking about the platforms, and I just want to list off because I thought this was really interesting. List off the some of the stats behind these because I had not seen this in in quite some time, and it was you know it really goes to show. The reach of some platforms versus others, even though you might not think about it in your head because of, you know, the the way that some of these are revered in today's world. So uh, quickly running down Facebook, the absolute behemoth. And I I really didn't realize it was this much larger uh, than the rest. Two point three billion monthly users. So that is by far and away the largest social media platform 2.3 2.3 billion active monthly users, and you know, I'm not sure where they got this data, but I would definitely believe in it. Um, coming down the pipe, the next one, Instagram, which is obviously a business from uh, owned by Facebook, that one has one billion monthly users. So uh, I think two things there. One, just the absolute growth and explosion of Instagram uh, is, is interesting to see, but then also to see like Facebook is still over twice as large as Instagram. And, you know, that's a, that's a lot. So of all the people that Instagram has gained to this point, they would have to com- double that and still not be at Facebook. And, and, and that's where I went to the, you know, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of stigma, I think, that I've heard. You know, Facebook is, just, you know, it's it's you know, all the old people are there now and like all the young people have left Facebook. and It's like that might be true. But guess what? There's still two point three billion people every month that are somehow interacting with Facebook and in Instagram world, it's only one billion. So I, I think, you know, that was kind of the first thing right off the top of my head or right at, right at the top of the of the session was like, man, if you're not on Facebook and, in, and I've heard it, you know, I hate Facebook. I don't I don't like to use it personally. That's great. But if you're not on Facebook for business, you need to be 2.3 billion people on Facebook and I don't know how many of that is, is in the U.S., which is the vast, vast majority of, uh, of our listeners here. Um, but, you know, it is, it is obviously global. If you are trying to do business uh, as a maker, trying to sell products, trying to sell services, you have got to be on Facebook because it's just a numbers game. It is 2.3 billion monthly users. So Instagram was that next one. Um, the next one was uh, actually a little bit surprising to me as well, was YouTube. And, and I still like, I don't necessarily consider YouTube a social media platform. Uh, and we'll talk about that a bit in the, in a minute because it, the content there is so different than any of the other platforms. Uh, you know, to me, YouTube is more of a search engine uh, the way I use it, although there is a lot of entertainment, obviously. And YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, which we've talked about a lot. 1.9 billion monthly users. So YouTube is almost right there with Facebook, but uh, a very, very different crowd and very, very different reasons while they're on the platform for a lot of people. You would never go to Facebook to search for how to do something. Um, You know, YouTube, that is a huge portion of it. Although there is a lot of entertainment, obviously gaming, lifestyle, travel, all those things that are just consumed much like Facebook Watch, which we've talked a lot about. Facebook's trying to compete with YouTube. But one point nine billion monthly users. So you, you can see, you know, in, in Facebook shoes, they're like, hey, we've got the we've got the users. Uh, now, if we just start doing more content like YouTube, we can pull even more of those people or, or keep that foot up on on YouTube. So uh, those are the three, the top three Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the top three by far. The next ones go down substantially uh, as we get into it. The next one they talked about was LinkedIn. If you're not familiar with LinkedIn, if, if you are a side hustler, you're probably very familiar with it. If you've ever worked a corporate job, um, that is basically where uh, corporate America networks. It's, it's LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn. Uh, f- I've been using it for over a decade, I think. Uh, by, and it was all from my my time in corporate America. And it's basically you can put your resume there and it's more of the professional connection. But uh, it was really interesting to hear The team talk about how they're using it and depending upon what types of thing you're selling. And they have five hundred and sixty seven million monthly users. So a little bit less than that of Instagram, but a very, very, very different audience, Uh, mostly professional white collar. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's any of the the, the Fortune 500, Fortune whatever, Fortune 5000. They're going to be on on LinkedIn. And and it was interesting to hear about the conversation there, that if you are doing any B2B business to business. So uh, if you are selling to businesses versus selling to consumers, you want to be on LinkedIn. And that's because, again, just what I said, that, that that's where it is. And you can establish yourself as a thought leader. You you know, there's a new it's not new, but uh, a, a new influential aspect of LinkedIn where you can write basically articles so, you can write a blog, and so instead of writing a post like it you would think about on Facebook or Instagram, you might write um if i'm let's say i'm I'm selling services of refinishing floors to to businesses and and that's what I do and so an article I might write is uh you know about the misconceptions of um of refinishing floor and that's probably a bad bad example maybe a better one would be like you know how how a business increase their sales by ten percent by Uh, by re remodeling their storefront and refreshing their floors to start with. Right. Like something like that about like how your service has an effect on the business aspect and, you know, just basically writing a, a blog post where you're giving detailed description of your, your services and how they interact with the, you know, the, the broader market, uh, and your consumers and the, your business B2B relationships and the end consumer, but then how, you know, relating it in a way where you're not just pushing yourself and just saying, oh, you should buy my floor refinishing. But like, oh, did you know that uh, people who come into stores are 20 percent more likely to buy products uh, when they feel like the store is clean? Uh, you know that, that you get more time spent perusing the area to, and more people in the doorfront when you have a better first impression, things like that. And and it doesn't have to be percentage and everything. It could be an anecdotal story. Could be an anecdotal story of of how they started the business, about how somebody walked into a, a restaurant and the floors were, were dirty and they left and then came to the next floor, the next restaurant where everything was sparkling clean. And even though the food might have been the same, uh, you know, that second business is going to get a lot more customers because of, you know, what they're portraying uh, to everybody that's walking in the front door. So probably a bad <laughs> example, but you, you get what I'm saying. So more B2B type conversation. um. So if, if you are doing B2B, I would say go check out LinkedIn for sure. Uh, and also it's just a great place to connect with other business owners and, uh, you know, or other people that have roles similar to yours in other similar businesses. The next one was Twitter. And I, I thought this one was really funny just because I've basically completely abandoned Twitter. I, I still do a bit there, but 126 million monthly users, very small compared to, uh, to Instagram and Facebook. And, and it feels that way, but it's It's, uh, you know, what they talked about was Instagram is where the pulse of, you know, the pulse of the current trends are. So if you're looking for current trends, like that's where you go. What are the trending hashtags, current events, things that are like happening today? Twitter is actually really good for that. And so it's a great place to go and understand what's going on in the world, in your community, whatever. And so looking at, um, you know, the, the hashtags that are trending are is a great way to understand what's going on in the world. Uh, The next one, Snapchat, which is a little bit uh, is a little bit different because Snapchat doesn't have um, monthly. You know, there's no longevity of content. All the content dies after 24 hours. So they actually measure that daily and it's 203 million daily. So when you think about that, it's like, okay, well, how would that add up to monthly? It would obviously be much larger than that. Uh, But 203 million daily active users on Snapchat, uh, still a very young crowd, you know, at one point in time. Snapchat was supposed to be the next huge, massive thing. And then Instagram said, oh, stories. Yeah, we got that, too. And really took the wind out of Snapchat sales. But they still have, uh, you know, there's still obviously a lot of users there. And, you know, they're not going away. And it is a place that younger audiences hang out. Uh, the last one, Pinterest, Pinterest, uh, 107 million monthly users. So, again, I-, I was actually very surprised about that. I thought that number would be way higher I thought that would be like at least 500 million. Um, so that one really, really surprised me. And, and you know, that's an area where I spend a lot of time traditionally to drive traffic to my blog. But um, that's where, and, and I th- actually, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. So 107 million monthly, I believe that's US, and then 250 million global active users. So, you know, a little bit higher on the scale there but again, not as high as I really would have thought. And, you know, it's Pinterest these days. I use it to drive traffic to my blog. And that's the interesting thing about it is it's all one way. Um, you know, and, and so if, if you're on Pinterest, like you basically have, you're trying to stop people in their, in their scroll. So they're scrolling through Pinterest, looking, you need to grab their attention quickly. And then you try to get them off platform. That's it's very different than the others. And, um, you know, it's not really a social community. There's not a lot of commenting back and forth. It's just pinning. You can kind of curate and, and also look at what other people curate in their boards. But it's not I wouldn't call it a two way interaction. So it's, it's very different. Uh, but if you are selling products, that is a great place to be. Have really good pins. Uh, and a pin is, you know, just a picture that is a you know picture of your product that might have some text overlay or whatever, and talking about it and getting people off platform onto your website. Pinterest is still is still really great for that but the audience um isn't huge. So that's a, a not so quick rundown but uh diving a little bit deep. But uh I thought what was interesting there um was they also did not talk about TikTok. And that is like an emerging platform they talked about, you know. So some of the other ones they didn't hit on was TikTok, um Twitch and uh, Nextdoor, which is actually interesting for local businesses. Uh if you're not familiar with Nextdoor, it's it's basically um a community for your uh, subdivision or for your local area that you live in where all the people are, are talking about, you know, all kinds of crazy things, but uh, basically anything and everything. But there is a lot of, hey, uh, I need to get a new roof. Do you know a good roofer? Hey, I'm looking to have you know my floors refinished. Do you know a, a good floor refinisher? So being active on Nextdoor as a business is a great place to be. So uh, there are people I am sure they're saying, hey, I need a dining room table built. Do you know anybody? So being on on next door, I think that's something that that I was like, oh, like I never really connected the dots there, which is ridiculous because uh, we use next door all the time. We needed some landscaping. We went to next door. My, my wife will jump on there and Susan will type in, hey, you know, does anybody know like, you know, we needed uh, a new allergist, like anything and everything, any kind of service provider, anything you're going to pay somebody for locally. There's going to be people with opinions on next door. So you know, that is, I think, is a golden nugget for all you folks trying to sell locally is check out ne- and it's just next door, like my next door neighbor, uh, nextdoor.com. Go check that out. I think that could be an untapped resource uh, for the product sellers uh, here in our community. And I think that, you know, not as much for content creation, obviously, um, but if you're looking for people, so uh, you if you're looking for, you know, a video editor like like I am, that might be a a great opportunity. And I have actually found a, a new video editor. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That was, I'm jumping ahead again. Uh, but one of the things coming out of here about, uh, you know, hiring a team and, and things like that, Nextdoor is a great place for that. So uh, those are kind of the emerging, you know, new areas. And uh, again, they didn't really talk about TikTok, but Gary is hardcore into TikTok. He is doing a ton of content and want to say he's doing a ton of content. He has um, a full time employee who that's their entire job is to be on TikTok, understanding the culture and producing content posting. Uh, so he literally has he's hired somebody to do that. And so he's investing, you know, whatever, 50 to 70,000, 80,000, whatever he pays that person to to do that for him. Um, so it, it's it's kind of telling in that sense. I do want to, to to start dipping my toe in TikTok. And I know a lot of folks out there have. Uh, one of our, our buddies, Keith Johnson, he's uh, crushing it on TikTok, And there's a lot of people that are getting out there and starting to get in that community and understand it. So we'll see how that progresses. But, um, that is one of the hottest up and coming platforms, uh, right now. I don't have any of the the monthly stats on that at the moment, but a very, very, very young audience as well. So we're talking, um, you know, like grade school kids, like. Uh, you know, probably middle school is probably the median age is probably middle schoolers, but like any platform that's going to age up, uh, you know, everybody that was on Instagram when it started, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago is now seven or eight years older. So if you're, if you're looking at a 12 year old right now, guess what? They're going to be 20, uh, before you know it. And, you know, so being active on that platform early, you know, that's another thing. Like you might not think it's there. You might not want to spend a ton of time in it, but early movers on a new platform They always get that land grab. You talk about a land grab and land grab, just meaning that it's always easier to get subscribers early if you're early to a platform. Um, If you're starting Instagram today, guess what? People like me have been out there for six years now and we've been able to collect followers this whole time and you're just coming in fresh. You know, it's obviously harder the later you start. So those are the platforms. Looking at content strategy, I I thought this was really interesting, thinking about uh, how to use each of these platforms. So, okay, great, we've got all these platforms now, what do we do with them? And, you know, it's kind of a combination. And and the first thing that they talked about that I've talked about as well is you can't be everywhere. So all those, like if you try to individually do that, uh, you know, like I mentioned, Gary has a team of 32 people. Like I am a team of one. with my wife who doesn't do any of the social media. So like for my social media, I am a team of one. So how can I be on all these platforms? Uh, I can't, I can't do it effectively. So you have to pick and choose which ones are best for you and which ones, uh, you know, fit what you're trying to do if you're a product seller, if you're a content creator. Uh, But I liked, I liked the way they looked at it as far as uh, there's kind of this, this spectrum between browsing and uh, searching so in, in kind of long form and short form, if you if you would look at it that way as well. So on the browsing end, you know, you're talking Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. That is you're popping in, you're seeing whatever's in your feed, you're interacting with it. But more than likely on those platforms, you're not really searching. You're just going out and you're seeing what's new from the people you follow. Maybe you're discovering some new people in the Explore feed of, of Instagram. Um, but it's short form content and it's short form digestible. So it's kind of snacking content, if you will. In the middle, uh, they, they kind of put uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, you know, because Twitter is a little bit more of, of search base as far as like looking for hashtags and things like that, but still kind of snackable. And then LinkedIn, again, you might not you're probably not searching for stuff, but you're you know, you're perusing it like the newspaper. Uh, what new articles are out? Oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, This dude just wrote something on uh, how Polishing floors is really good for your business. <laughs> you know, maybe you're going to check that out. And then on the search-based and kind of the long form, uh, you have YouTube, uh, Pinterest, and then Google, and and meaning Google search, obviously. So uh, like we've talked about many times, Google is the number one search engine in the world. Uh, YouTube is the number two search engine in the world. And I don't know if Pinterest is actually number three or not, but it's, it's probably pretty high up there. Uh, but those are all places where people... They know what they're looking for and they're going for it. So that's where um, I spend a lot of time as a content creator when I'm doing long form um, evergreen content. And evergreen content just means I want this to be searchable today, tomorrow, and three years from now. And those are all great platforms, YouTube, Pinterest, and Google, where you can put that out. It is searchable. So if somebody wants to figure out how to make a cutting board, I want to be the person when they type in how to make a cutting board on any of those three platforms, it comes up. Um, if you are selling cutting boards, you you know, there are a lot of different keywords that you probably want to be looking at. Handmade cutting boards. Where do I buy a cutting board? Uh, best cutting boards. Like, you know, looking at those search terms and those platforms, uh, that is really something to optimize for when you're trying to attack an audience who knows what they want. The flip side the browsing, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, all those. It, it's its a bit more entertainment based, quick, snackable. Nobody's coming back a year later searching for anything I've ever done on Instagram uh, or Facebook or or TikTok. And you can't even see it on Snapchat the next day. So uh, I, I thought that was a really good designation between the platforms. And, you know, if you're trying to to get the long term grip, you really want to be gravitating towards those three searchable, highly searchable ones of YouTube, Pinterest and Google, because that's where people who want, you know, know what they want. That's where they're going to go. And so if you've got a great following on Instagram, that's not helping you, you know, be uncovered to somebody who's just deciding, hey, I want to go get, uh, you know, some a cutting board. Where can I buy one? Uh, Typically, they're not going to find that on Instagram. They might find you through interest based searches and just through discovery in that process. But typically, they're not searching for you. So that that's a pretty cool designation. Um, And just to look at that short form and long form content. Uh, But one of the the other biggest takeaways I had and, and I thought was really good. And Gary hits on this and he hit in this in his in his conversation with us is is just value to the audience. So what's your audience looking for and what are you giving them in any piece of content? So I just talked through all these platforms and kind of what they're about and where they land on the spectrum of browsing to search. Uh, but if you're producing content on these platforms, you know, the, the under or overarching thought should be, what value does this give my audience? Uh, you know, why, why do people want to see this? And, you know, there are people out there just like, whatever, I'm just going to document my life. And it like, you know, if people come, they come. If they don't, they don't. I don't care. That's one way to think about it. Right. And you can do that. And it's kind of a take them or leave them idea, but, uh, that's not how I operate. And, and I try to add value. And so I try to do the way I do that on Instagram is like tips and tricks. So I'll show, oh, Hey, this is, this is how I glue up miters. This is how I cut miters. Uh, this is a new finishing piece. And then there's other stuff. So it doesn't all have to be that way. There's other stuff that's pure entertainment, um, peeling glue from the end of a silicone bristle brush. Like, you know, what value does that add? Well, you might say, Hey, that's, I'm adding entertainment value. So there's different ways to think about it, but in any piece of content, it's always great to, to step back and think about, uh, especially long form content, long form content the most, when you get into these like snackable, you know, do you need to think about that every time you do a snap or a story? No, you don't. Um, but at the same time, you draw back and think about the medium and long form content for sure is, is what's that value? What am I adding? Because, You know, you look at some channels are pure entertainment. You look and that's the value they add. So there is a value in in entertaining people and giving them something to do when they're bored in a meeting and, you know, they want to watch something under the table uh, with subtitles. And there's the other side of it. That's I want to give somebody uh, specific instructions on how to build something through a blog that has accompanying plans. And the value to them is that uh, I give them all the products that they need to buy, The steps, the cutting diagrams, all of that, that's my value. So just think about that when you're looking at your content. And if you're a bit stuck in thinking about uh, which direction to go, that's a great way to get grounded and think about the audience first and what do they want? What has resonated the best with my audience? What has gotten the most likes, the most comments, whatever those things are. And sometimes it's just inspiration. So sometimes it's just showing a, a finished piece and, you know, there is value in that. The value is in inspiring people uh, with the great, you know, in products that you make. And some people are going to buy that. Most won't. Uh, some people are going to be inspired to make their own. And some people just really appreciate, you know, the look and the craftsmanship that uh, you've put into a product by making it by hand. So, again, that, that's a really cool thing. And, and the last thing from the content strategy that I took away uh, was just the volume. Gary's all about volume. That's why he has 32 people. He post they post, what did he? They, they said they post or they make, I guess they post as well, a hundred pieces of content a day. It just blew my mind. I mean, I guess it makes sense with 32 people on your team, but a hundred different pieces of content. And that that looks like, um, you know, and they kind of broke it down, but it was something like 10 tweets, you know, uh, you know, eight snaps. I don't know what the numbers are, but. Uh, eight snaps, uh, you know, three Instagrams, seven Instagram stories. Like when you, when you really start adding it up, it adds up fast, but a hundred pieces of content. I don't ever see myself making a hundred pieces of content uh, a day, but uh, you know, thinking about the volume of content and the consistency is something. And, and we've talked about that again on the show many, many times when you're trying to grow an Instagram following um, one of the keys to, to success is consistency. And hitting that, you know, that was that kind of, that kind of Miranda line of one a day. And one a day was, was kind of like, yes, if, if you really want to grow your account, you should be posting one time a day. If you can post two times a day, that's even better. And that's personally how I grew my account, uh, you know, in the beginning. So thinking about the consistency and the amount and the, and the quantity of content, you know, really got me thinking, but th- what I liked their analogy was, is they call it you know, the lottery ticket strategy. And so if you have a bunch of different pieces of content, we've all been there, right? You, you post, you're posting to Instagram every day. You're posting, you're posting, you're posting, you're doing some shop shots. You're doing, uh, you know, some of the beauty shots that we talked about, some in process, you might have some personal things in there, whatever it is, you're doing all these things. And inevitably one of them pops off, gets a ton of likes, a ton of views, whatever. And also, inevitably, you're like, why was it that one?" <laughs> you look back and, and you don't understand? And you, you say, you know, this was not one I expected. Maybe it was just off the cuff. That was actually one of my one of my most liked photo ever was uh, an off the cuff. That was literally I took a picture to, to send to John to text him and show him what I had been doing, which was a little back of the door cabinet uh, pot lid holder. And I took a picture of it on my cell phone. I almost always take, uh, post pictures from my DSLR camera or screenshots or videos from my DSLR as well. And, uh, I, whatever I had it and I was like, Oh, I need to post something for the day. And I was like, Oh, this would be cool. And it wasn't edited or, or fancy or anything like that. And it just went crazy and I didn't expect it. And so that's, you know, the thing that you never know which ones are going to go. So they, likened it to the lottery ticket strategy. So if you're out there, like if you if you're playing the lottery, uh, you know, do you, if you want to if you really want to win, if you want to have better chances of winning the lottery, do you buy one ticket, or do you buy ten? Now, I wouldn't, and they wouldn't suggest playing the lottery as a way to actually make money. But just thinking about it, you don't know. Like when you buy that lottery ticket, you don't know is 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 the numbers uh, one two three five gonna hit, or is it seven eight nine four? almost said 78910. I guess they have, they have they have tens. Yeah. You can do two digit numbers. Anyway, if you're looking at lottery tickets, you don't know which one's going to hit. And uh, you know, a little bit different obviously, you know, a lottery ticket is just a singular number, so there's no skill or anything based into the type of content or, you know, how much polish you put on it or humor or whatever. But it's the same idea that content and you also want to spread that. So, you know, if they're saying if you're playing, you know, the lottery, uh If, if you bought, you know, again, not a great analogy because like the number five has just the same, uh, the same chance of getting picked as the number six as the number seven or eight versus a thousand and eight versus 10,008. If you're, if all the numbers are included, but, uh, sprinkling it out. So sprinkling out, like if you're doing content that is, uh, based around all those things I just talked about, you're in the shop, your beauty shots, your process shots, you want to sprinkle it around. So if you're just taking the same exact photos, it's all beauty shots. Well, you're you're factoring in you're you're really narrowing your scope versus having in process, having video, having all these different types of of context and delivery of your actual, you know, images and posts, that what you're doing is you're you're just laying your blanket, you're laying your net wider and wider, you're getting more tickets to the lottery. And when that one hits, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I, I I didn't think that that one was going to hit like, wow, I, I thought people only liked beauty shots. Well, no, this in process video did amazing. And so now I've kind of put all those out there and I know, okay, now I'm going to focus more over here. So in that sense, you know, the lottery ticket is a bad analogy from that sense, but uh, in the same token, having more gives you more opportunity and some of them are going to do great. Some of them are going to do average and some of them are going to bomb. But the more you have out there, the better opportunity you have to find out what's what's working, what's working for your audience, or even what's working in the moment. Right now, we're seeing a resurgence in Instagram. Uh, this is you know I, I've been looking. Instagram has been down for a long time. We've talked about it on the show. We talked about in the after show a lot. Uh, people are like, "What's happening? I'm losing followers." Well, in the past two to three weeks now. Big insurgents. There, there's a resurgence of of Instagram following. Numbers are up. I, you know looking uh, just across social blade at different people. Um, people are up across the board. And looking at what type of content is now resonating might be different than it was six months ago. Six months ago, it was video. Video was everything. It was huge. Then video stopped working. So continuing to put you know as much as you can out there. And across different styles and different types of content, uh, that that really is going to help you figure out the next trending thing. And it's not about writing trends, but it's about you delivering your content in the way that it's being embraced at the time. And it used to be video. Now, you know, maybe it's still video, but maybe it's video carousels or maybe it's long form video versus short form video. And continuing to put out a varied type of content helps you understand that. So uh, when you find something I fully, you know, believe in and implement, like when you find something that works, double down on it, triple down on it, like you do a lot of that, but don't give up on the rest of it. Continue to put those things out there, continue to put pictures, uh, you know, when it when video was really hitting on Instagram at the end of 2018, I went all in. Uh, I didn't double down, triple down like I went a million. I went all down, all in. And uh, and I stopped posting pictures completely because they weren't working for me, um, you know. But then, as videos stopped working, uh, I had to start putting the pictures back out there. And I didn't know, like, oh, I didn't have enough data points. I didn't have enough lottery tickets. I didn't have my net as wide as I I could. Whatever you will, uh, to to see that change and to see, oh, pictures are starting to resonate more now, or or a carousel is starting to resonate more now, or a preview from. And Instagram TV is really starting to work now because I found one thing that worked and then I just laser focused in on it and and it worked. It worked great. And I took massive advantage of that during the time, uh, but I didn't have the total view to see how everything else was working. And if I had of still been sprinkling that content in, I could have. So so that was, um, you know, kind of my takeaway from that and their lottery ticket strategy and keeping relevant content out there in all different forms So that you know what's going on and you can spot the trends. And when one thing stops working, um, you can, you know, stop doubling down on that and double down on on the new thing. So, uh, you know, pretty insightful information and information there. So that's kind of the content thing. And that led into the biggest impact for me, which I've known and I think we all know, but is how do you get there? How do you get more content? How do you deliver more value to your audience? How do you. Do more as a solopreneur, which most of us are, or a a single business owner, if you don't like that term. Uh, And that's hiring a team. That's hiring help, whether that's um, getting part time help, full time help, subcontract help, small things, you know, whatever that is, you need help. And I need help. I need help big time because uh, at at the size I've grown my channels to on YouTube and Instagram, and, and I'm super thankful and blessed for that, it's very hard to keep up with it all. to Keep up with the emails, to keep up with the posting, to keep up with the comments, to keep up with the DMs, to keep up with the comments on YouTube. Like, you know, there's so many, when you're on all these platforms, the problem is you're on all these platforms. And every one of these platforms uh, basically has a way for people to contact you and to give you inputs. So the wider you spread your net, the more you're opening yourself to feedback and to interaction, which is fantastic, which is how you grow your business. But the flip side of that is you have to do it. And I've talked about it before. When people comment and you don't comment back, the first time they might write a two or three sentence comment saying, man, oh, I love this. This is fantastic. I love how, how you finished the leg and that walnut turned out amazing. And maybe they even ask you a question at the end. What, what, what is that finish you're using? How are you applying it? If you don't respond to them the next time they might comment on the next piece you do or the next post or whatever and say, oh man, that's great. Uh, great work. Right. So that they, they're, they're still kind of reaching out. They're reaching out. They reached out the first time in a big way, asking questions and, and really just, giving you a lot of great feedback. Uh, then the next one, they scale it back some. And then the next one, they might just give you an emoji thumbs up, you know, double thumbs up. Well, guess what? If you've not responded to any of those three comments, they're going to stop commenting. No, nobody likes to comment and just not be heard. Uh, unless like they're getting comments and responses from other people in the comments, that might be a thing. But uh, if, if you're not stoking the fire of feedback, that's, you know, I, I like to think about it as like they're, they're feeding you you've got to feed them back. So it's like they're giving you a little spark and you're like, "Okay, you know, they they're reaching out and you have to reciprocate." And that's, you know, another way that that I really kind of a cornerstone of of the way I've grown my business online, my online following is that I always respond to everything as much as I can. But I I, I can't do it anymore, honestly. Uh so comments have turned, you know, long comments have turned into short comments, short comments have turned into Emoji thumbs up replies and emoji thumbs up replies have turned into a heart. So I'm still trying to acknowledge, you know, to and I'm talking Instagram specifically because that's where I do, you know, most of my engagement. Um, when I'm doing that there, I, I just I just can't physically do it. I can't physically do it. And the more content you put out, the more comments you get back. So so how are you managing that and um, how are you managing your time there? And I'm not saying, uh, and I, I don't plan on having anybody coming in and commenting as me, but it's just, you know, an example of those things that pull your business in the different directions. I get comments on my YouTube and I'm very bad at those. I, I, I'm really good in the first day of anything. So the first day I reply to all the comments. Uh, but, you know, if somebody comments on a video from three weeks ago or three months ago, like for one thing, it's hard to surface that, especially in Instagram world. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just going to miss those. So how are you getting people to help so that either you can spend more time there or the flip side of that is also knowing your limits and saying, Hey, listen, day one, I'm responding to everything after that, eh, you know, it, it's just open range. And if I get to it, I get to it, but I can't get to everything because in reality, the people who are supporting you the most are those people who are going to watch your videos and look at your posts in the first day or two. So that's kind of where I've gotten to. But what I've also realized is like, I need help, uh, editing videos. We talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. I need help editing videos. That is, uh, something that, um, takes away from my time. I am not great at it. I do enjoy it for a certain extent. Um, but every time, all the time I spend editing videos is time I'm not spent working in my shop, making new content, replying to comments, whatever those things are. And the fact of the matter is, um, there are hundreds, thousands of people that can edit just as good as me and way better. And so um, if I can hand that over and, and I'm not, you know, saying like, oh, I'm going to give it to somebody and like let them take their creative spin it's even easier than that because I've got whatever, how many other videos I have, 70 or 80 YouTube videos that there's a body of work that I can say, hey, here's how I edit. I need you to do this for me. And it's not going to take away from my connection with the audience, from my voice, because I'm basically saying here, I want you to replicate what I'm doing. And I think that's where a lot of people worry. Like, oh, I can't handle hand it over. And that's where I honestly have worried. and That's why I've not done it. It's like, I don't want to lose my voice for my channel, but you don't have to. You, you can teach somebody how to do that. And that was a, a really, a really good thing. And like, and, and even also, you know, I'm a perfectionist and I want it to be really on point. But, you know, one of the things that they said, and, and I, I don't know if this was Gary or one of his people. But he said, you know, 83% of somebody else is better than 100% of you. And that might seem like a counterintuitive. You're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, because like you're getting less. Um, the subtext there, though, is that if you get the same. You know, if you get that and, and, I, and I, I'm not I don't, I'm not there yet, honestly, <laughs> I'm not there to say like, yeah, I'm going to have a 17 percent drop in like the value of my content or the production or whatever. Um, like I, I would much rather say 90 or 95. Uh, but the point being that if it takes 100 percent of your time to get it to the 100 percent level, can it take 100 percent of somebody else's time to get it to the 83 percent level? And so then you can, you could invest that extra little time to get there, right? So now if I'm only investing that, if I still want to get it to hundred percent and this person I'm investing in gets it to, to 83% to the way that I would want it, I could still invest the extra 17%. But now I have the 83% of my time to go do all these other things. Uh, so, you know, without hitting these numbers anymore, it's just the whole idea is using your time where only you can do the things in your business that are important. And that is things like building. Uh, that is things like being on screen for, for YouTube or for Instagram or for Snapchat or whatever you're doing. It's the on screen, it's the designing, uh, it's the interacting uh, with your peers or your sponsors or whoever that is which even that can be outsourced. The you know getting an agent for sponsorship, things like that. Uh, but what are those things that only you can do for your business? And for a lot of creatives and makers, it is the physical production. It's the creativity. It's the thought generation, the ideas, taking that idea, building it, turning it into a tangible good, uh, and putting your spin on that whole process in between. So, how can we supplement? our business, and we've talked about it, in outsourcing, and it's just, it's really easy to understand, I think, in a production-based model, and content, it just, you know, coming up and bootstrapping yourself and becoming a content producer, it's always been difficult for me to think about that, because I'm like, man, this is me, like, I, I, this is me, this is my channel, and, you know, like, it's a business, and so from the editing perspective, to grow my business, I need to offload that. And there's probably a lot of other things I need to offload, but you know that's the biggest one for me that takes a huge chunk out of my time so uh, hiring a team you know they that was like their number one thing as as a content producer uh editor uh possibly a writer, depending upon what kind of content you do, so somebody to write the LinkedIn articles to write the blog posts uh, to do you know maybe to do first run copy or back end copy on uh, on social media. So maybe you're saying, Hey, I just got this picture. Uh, you know, I send it to a copywriter. Hey, here's the, here's the project. Here's a few pictures I'm thinking about. And the general idea I want to get across is like, you know, that this was a great challenge and I'm glad that I tried something new and then like letting them take a first run at it. And then again, letting them take it that 83% of the way, and then you grabbing it and making sure it is in your voice. Uh, and that it's something that, you know, somebody else just puts out, doesn't put out there in the world. And you're like, I don't even know what just went out because I just completely gave away all the writing of my social content to somebody else. And they're supposed to talk like me, but I don't know what they're talking about. Right. That that's where I think it's, it's really interesting is that you don't have to do, you don't have to give it all away and you can still keep your fingers on enough that you know exactly what's going on. You still have the last approval. You're doing all the posting. You don't have people that are, that are posting for you in the background. Um, you know, that, that's that's really intriguing to me. And I, I don't think I'm going to get a writer anytime soon. But for sure, on the editing side, I, I've already had conversations with people and I'm going to be testing somebody out for my next video. So really excited about that. And, um, you know, if you're like me and you're having trouble letting go and, and thinking about, you know, can somebody really do it as good as I can? In some cases, no, but in some cases, yes, and better. So, yeah, I don't know why I've been holding on to editing so much because I stink at it. I'm not good at it, and I'm not fast at it. Uh, so why would I not give that over? And you know, obviously, from a dollars and cents perspective, it's got to it's got to add up. But just from an ownership and holding on to it, there's no reason I should be holding on uh, to that or you know invoicing or any of the back end stuff that anybody can do. It doesn't need my touch. Uh, so so that was really a huge takeaway. Uh, from from that, for me. And like I said, I, I just started getting into that. And then really just thinking about what can I do at that time? How can I get more content? You know, a big goal of mine is to get to weekly content on YouTube. So uh, I would start with that. You know, if you're thinking about outsourcing, if you're thinking about adding people to your team, think about the goal in mind and then think about what would it take to get there? And what are the roadblocks that are holding you back? And for me, Getting weekly content out, a roadblock I have is I'm not making projects weekly. And well, okay, why am I not doing that? Well, because I'm spending a day and a half editing. Hmm. Okay, do I need to be doing that? No, I don't. So let's outsource that. Right. So if that's, you know, producing tables, like if you let's let's flip it over to the product side. We've talked about this before. Like, man, I I really could sell more tables if I could get more tables out the door. What's holding me back? I got to spend three hours for every project sanding all the different parts and pieces. Okay, great. Well, sanding has nothing to do with the design. As long as you don't, you know, mess up the crisp edges or whatever, like proper sanding can be taught and somebody else could do that so that you're then either making the new designs or doing the hand joinery that you're known for, whatever those things are. Find the things that are really important in your business that only you can do Make sure you're doing those and then start picking off the rest of the pieces that will help you increase that to whatever goal that you're looking to. So so I'm I'm put it out there to all you guys right now. That is my goal is that um, I want to in the next six months. So by July of next year, I want to be doing weekly content. I'm hoping to get there sooner. But, you know, I think that's a, a good goal for me. And the first step in that is trying to get an editor and I've done it in the past and it didn't work in the past. So, But I'm committing to it because um, it's what I need to do to grow my business. So what are those things in your business that you may have tried in the past and that, oh, man, that did not work at all? I tried to have a, an assistant to do emails and it was just horrible. But that doesn't mean it's a horrible idea. It just means it wasn't the right fit. right? So you might have to, you might have to go through three or four or six different people before, before you find that right person. But they're out there. And, you know, we can find them. And that's that's my journey right now. So having this uh, this conversation with with Gary and his team and um, and I, I didn't get into I didn't get into what I specifically asked Gary about, because that's I'm going to keep that to myself. I'm not going to share that with you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will give you a little snippet because because it's it's more nuts and bolts and it's it it doesn't apply to a lot of people. Um, but that was the outcropping of it. It was about growing my business and it was about certain aspects of it. And, um, you know, he was like, Hey man, you're like, you like, you gotta, you could find people for that. And, and the thing, one of the things he, he told me about, cause I was talking about, um, about, you know, so what, what about advertising, things like that. So there's a little snippet, uh, of what I was talking about. And, um, he said, you know, you gotta find a math guy. And I said, well, I am a math guy. And he's like, Exactly. His point being that, uh, I'm trying because I can do it. I want to do it, but I shouldn't necessarily be the one to do it. So, you know, when you're good at something, even though if you know, you're like, oh, but I, I can sand way faster than this dude. Cause you know, I've, I've been sanding for years and I know all the little tips and tricks and I can, I can really get it in there. Uh, and whatever. It's like, okay, great. If it takes you three hours to sand a table and then it takes somebody you hire, four hours to sand a table. Well, guess what? That, that person you're paying, you should be paying them much less than what you should be making, you know, as you're producing more tables. Uh, so if your are you know, your shop hourly rate is 50 bucks an hour and you can pay somebody 20 bucks an hour to sand, it makes sense still to, if it takes them an extra hour to do it. So just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something in your business. Uh, if you can invest that time wisely in other areas. And, and so, you know, that was a, that was, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. You know, kind of just my immediate response off the cuff to his, to his comment, like really put it in my mind. Like, yeah, I I still struggle with that. So, uh, you know, it's the, the Superman syndrome that we've talked about. I want to do everything. I want to, I feel like I've done everything to get where I'm at. And so in my mind, I need to do everything, but, uh, you know, I don't. So anyway, and it, that's enough harping on that. Just having that conversation and that time with Gary and, and hearing just some of the other stories of people and his responses to them, uh, was, was really awesome. You know, really just talking about finding the value in your audience, uh, really working with them and then also finding other ways to get there. Like he, he talked about, he, he talked about podcasting a lot. I was already doing that, but you know, it was kind of an interesting conversation hearing him talk to other businesses about. Um, there was one, there was one person there that did, uh, like little programs for schools and his thing, like the people who hired her were, uh, principals at schools. And so he said, you know, like you should be starting the progressive, the progressive principal podcast. So don't everybody, don't anybody go start that because, you know, she'll be starting anyway, but. He said, "You should go start this, like the Progressive Principal Podcast. Then you bring on principals, and you're you're talking to them about, uh, you know, people who are really making waves or doing new things, because those are the people who are going to come on and then talk about uh, what they're doing at their schools to make it better. And one of those things that they're hopefully going to be doing is bringing your program on, right? So it's like, like her her thing was was actually um, school gardening. So it, it was really interesting to me. Like I my mind would have first gone to." you would start a gardening pod- podcast, right? And then talk about gardening and then how that relates in schools and how it's teachable moments and teaching kids about science uh, and, and you know, harvesting food and all those good, sustainable things. Whereas the way he went at it is like, make a podcast about the person who's digesting or who is, you know, influential in making the decision and how that relates to them. And so her audience is principals. That's her... and user her not her end user but um, her decision maker and the person who's going to help her get into schools are the principals uh you know the kids are gonna be the end users and the kids being happy obviously you know that's a whole different thing for her but uh, I, I thought that was just a really interesting kind of spin it on your head you know we talked about like hey if you're if you're a furniture maker um that and you want to sell to businesses and your main customers are local restaurants i would you know, up until the other day, I, I would have thought like, oh yeah, you would start a business about, about woodworking. Well, no, maybe, maybe the podcast is not about woodworking. Maybe the podcast is, is just a local podcast where you're interviewing local restaurants and talking about their story and about how they came on. And then through that conversation, you're getting to know all these local restaurateurs. You're getting to know all these local restaurant owners and you're building relationships with them that then you can, and the back end sell products. Like, I mean, how, like, how brilliant is that? I, I thought that was amazing. Uh, and the first person to start a restaurant, you know, local restaurant podcast, shoot us a note because I want to hear about it. Uh, because like that is just so brilliant. It's about building, building a relationship uh, with potential clients that is not stuffing your product down their throat. It's about, hey, let's talk about you. How have you done this? How have you built your restaurant? What are the, what are the challenges? What are the new trends? What are the things that are happening in the local community? And then all of a sudden, after you've done 25 podcasts, you find that one person. Oh yeah, actually we're expanding. We're getting to you know, after the show is over or during the show. Yeah. We're, you know, we're actually putting a new restaurant in downtown. You know, we got, we got the one out there in the suburbs and we want to go downtown now. And uh, yeah, we, we need like actually like 35 tables. You think you could help us out there? Like just brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And so for all of you who made it to the end of the, the show, that little nugget too, I, I just, you know, whatever that is, whether it's a podcast or a newsletter or, you know, something where you can engage with your potential clients in a different way and just be known in your space, in your community I, I thought that was brilliant I thought that was really cool and it's like the little nuggets like that um, were were just amazing so I had a great time learned a ton and uh, I am totally fired up and looking at that so like I said I've committed to you guys uh here i've I've laid it out there I think you have to speak it to life you have to commit to it and you know I might fail but uh my goal is to to get weekly episodes you know by the middle of next year so we'll see where I go but um, hopefully, this was helpful to you guys hopefully there's a a few little nuggets of wisdom that uh, you you took from you know what I was able to share back with you from from the experience and you know I would highly recommend um, you know digesting just business training in general because you can get you know all that same basically everything i've heard I've heard in different books or podcasts or or whatever um, at least from topical, not like those specific ideas like I just mentioned, but um, you know invest in yourself by learning about business by continuing to listen to progressive thinkers like Gary V. And, and, you know, there's so many people in this space these days, but find your favorite person and, you know, just digest that content and see how you can apply it to your business. And um, yeah, we'll all be out there trying to trying to win together. So um, I'll have John back next week and we'll be back together. Finally. Um, Actually, that's not true. I'm sorry. I, I just recorded the the next podcast which uh, a little sneak peek is with my buddy andrew bacon so um that will actually be the next one then john and i will be back together again for episode 121 uh reunited at last john newly married and uh we'll keep hitting it so right now i'm going to go head over and talk to the patrons and we'll catch you guys on the next episode peace